everyone and welcome to the Caramel Rock podcast. I'm your host, Renata Hoga. In every episode, we will be talking to a different guest working within the fashion and creative industry. We will be discussing their career journey whilst also focusing on an interesting fashion-related topic. For this episode, we have special guest Freya Simon. As a fashion designer and circular design enthusiast, Freya focuses her personal work on upcycling pre-lived items into stunning new and exciting contemporary pieces. In our conversation, Freya shares with us her journey into the fashion industry and how she is now using her design practice and social media platforms to inspire and educate others about sustainable design. We also discuss how upcycling is becoming a viable fashion business model. With all that being said, let's get into the episode. Welcome Freya to the Caramel Rock podcast. It's nice to have you on. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. No worries. Um, if you just wanted to start off by introducing yourself and telling us your journey um, so far. Yeah, so hi, I'm Freya. <laughs> I am a fashion designer. I started, so I guess I went, I did an art foundation, then I did a degree in fashion design. Both of those are at Kingston University, just outside of London. Um, I did a few internships, as is the way to try and get your foot in the door. And then my first full-time job um, was at ASOS as an assistant designer. I started there. Um, and then I actually ended up staying there for six years it kind of taught me, I mean, everything I know about being a designer in the real world, met some of the most incredible people, travelled to, to places I never even imagined I would go. Um, but I think I've always been super interested in sustainability and so they kind of really pushed for me to do any kind of courses that came up and the more that I did those things and I did like an online sustainability course... We also were trained by um, LCF, Centre for Sustainable Fashion in Circular Design. And by that point, I just knew that that was really where I wanted to focus most of my time and attention. And so at the end of 2019, I left ASOS um, to become lead designer at a soon-to-launch sustainable women's wear brand, um, where I still am now. So... That was kind of amazing and I learned so much so quickly. I mean, being startup is one thing, but then trying to start up completely sustainably is another. And there was just so much that we had to get in place. Um, and so alongside that, I kind of wanted to document that journey and sort of try and inspire and spread as much knowledge as I was learning because I felt like I'd come from quite a solid sustainable background but then actually starting there I was like oh my god I know nothing <laughs> so that's I I had protect your mother um an account for a while but I kind of redirectioned it and so I'm kind of sharing my design journey on there and at the same time um lockdown one started and I had a pile of alterations that I'd literally been carrying around with me for like three years or something. And I did that. I bought some, I bought, I bought a vintage dress. It wasn't quite right. I altered it. And at the same time, a virtual vintage market launched their reworked vintage market on Instagram. And a few people kind of encouraged me to do it. 
And I was like, okay. And I kind of just jumped into it quite blindly. And from there, this kind of upcycling um, journey began under my name, Freya Simon, which is my middle name. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of running all of those things alongside each other at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds super exciting and very busy. Just to kind of go back to the beginning, what was it that inspired you to pursue fashion design? I mean, I, I'd always been like creative from a young age. I can always remember kind of painting and drawing. Um, but I think it was, I mean, it, I'd all, and I, I love clothing. I'd always love clothing. I grew up in Jersey, so um, in the Channel Islands, there wasn't loads of like, you know, we only got Topshop, I can't even remember, but like way, way down the line, you know. So we would always go to like charity shops and and me and my friends always loved that kind of um, hunting for treasures. And, and so I suppose my love for clothing started then. Um, but I guess at school we had textiles and that kind of, I think that just felt like a na- it just kind of naturally clicked with me and as a creative outlet to kind of channel it through fabric and materials, it just felt like a better way for me to do that as opposed to like art or all the other things that I'd already tried um so yeah it was quite I didn't really think about it I sort of just ended up doing it which I guess is maybe an annoying answer but (laughs) um yeah that was kind of the very beginning of it I suppose yeah throughout your journey you've been able to experience the different ways that we kind of interact with clothing as like people that wear it and, go, you know, going from shopping to the charity shops, but then also then um, the textile side and then going into university and studying it further. And then you did like um, a solid amount of years within the industry from studying. It's really different, isn't it? And how was that transition for you? I think I must have just had like my mouth open for the first year or so, because I felt like, I mean, my university years were like, I mean, I know everyone says this, but literally the best. And I feel like what I learned from uni was really how to channel my creativity into fashion design and and really draw out all of my creativity. But in terms of and like, yeah, we did like sewing workshops at uni, pattern cutting. And, and I definitely still like, you know, that's kind of what I've been doing Freya Simon, like on those sort of things that I learn um, and kind of trying to remember um but yeah I think when I got to ASOS I was just like oh my god like I didn't know about buyers I didn't know about merchandisers I didn't even really know that you would travel so much as a designer working for like you know like a really big corporate company um but you know you travel all the time to do development trips and that was something I just never even really knew about you travel to do inspiration and yeah, I mean, you know, some of them were like that really happy surprises, but learning the actual, yeah, designing it. And even the fact that when you get into somewhere like that, you're all, it's broken down by category. So you're not just like, I'm a women's wear designer. It's like, I'm a Jersey tops designer. I'm a skirts. I'm, you know, it's like literally so specific. And, and again, that I didn't realise. So yeah, I feel like, I mean, like I said, it, it honestly taught me 
everything that I I know about being a kind of commercial designer and I'm really lucky that the designers that I mean the design team there is amazing and the people that taught me are, are and are amazing and I'm very lucky that I've had that kind of training I suppose because mm. I think without that it's really informed a lot of kind of how I approach things even though it's obviously fast fashion and it that's a big topic and you know there's problems in itself within that but there is also loads of great things that come Mm -hmm. especially when I was there it was still you know relatively kind of early days ish but it felt like you were kind of evolving with the company yeah which is always nice to kind of feel that growth rather than just being like bang in the middle and everything's like spinning um But having gone from like ASOS and having a specific role that you were a woman wears, woman's wear designer and it was quite specific in the types of garments that you were required to produce. How was it then transitioning to this startup brand where it's like not only is it a smaller and you're needing to focus on like the business side as well, but you're also needing to really focus on what it means to be sustainable. How was that? The transition was okay. I think I was quite lucky because I actually moved on to ASOS own brands before I left. So I was I was designing Reclaimed Vintage and Crooked Tongues, and those are obviously multi products. So in terms of that, I was I kind of had my head around the whole multi product thing, and actually working for those brands, I loved doing multi products. So that's again another reason which kind of spurred me on to move. Um, and, and again, I, I, I kind of had quite specific ideas about things that I really connected with in terms of sustainability. Like when we did our circular design training, I just was really um, fascinated about the idea of zero waste. And, and I actually developed a zero waste jumpsuit whilst I was at ASOS, which, right. as you can imagine, with the crotch and everything, was not an easy feat. Yeah. <laughs> um, So I kind of had these sort of like nuggets of information that I knew I wanted to kind of involve in this new brand. Um, But I think, yeah, it it was it was fine. And, And it was actually I'm really glad that it was just before COVID, because in those first like two months, I went to so many like trade shows. The Sustainable Angle had their like sustainable fabric show, which was amazing. And I felt like I learned so much about more about sustainable fabrics so I kind of felt like it it was okay and then and then because then we hit lockdown and it kind of just obviously then slowed down and we were developing gearing up to launch but then it was almost like a bit of a pause and so I just really spent that time researching and learning and listening to every talk possible like as I just was like as much information as I could listen to I kind of did that so then by the time we came out the other side I felt like I had a really like solid base of understanding on what ways we wanted to tackle it yeah and it's very interesting that even though you did like you finish education with a degree within like your journey you're still going back and learning more stuff and it's just showing that the fashion industry doesn't stay the same it's like the things that we learn at uni two years three years it's like it's already shifted it's already changing and we have to kind of be on our toes to be informed about all those changes oh yeah and I think you know like I say I I mean I obviously don't know how the courses are now and I think I do actually have a friend that's a lecturer and I know it's a lot more kind of um practical and 
and kind of saying about how it actually is an industry but yeah for me I think it was it wasn't necessarily that I learned things at uni that then felt they weren't relevant anymore I think mm. uni just gave me a very general base of like like I say it was more I feel like uni really like pulled out all my creativity gave me like the basis of sewing pattern cutting la 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 but in terms of like how it actually worked in industry I didn't know anything of that and Mm. but then you know still to this day I feel like I learn new things every day and I think if you're if you allow yourself that space and if you allow yourself time to listen to talks you know you could easily just switch off in the evening and watch telly which sometimes I do do but you know like we can all keep learning and I think for me I know that's one of my like core values that brings me a lot of fulfillment is to learn so I just make sure I make time for it nice I think it's it's very important and it helps with the process in itself and staying inspired in things um tell us about your design process now that you're I guess you're more invested in upcycling so how does that go do you get inspired by the garment or do you find an idea a design that you want to make but then source the fabric so how does that work for you up until recently I always sourced the fabric first because it's obviously so determined by the size and the shape and like what it is and because I do a mixture I upcycle like old textiles or quilts or duvets or whatever um but I also kind of rework old clothing as well so obviously it's so dependent on the piece so I would always kind of find the material or whatever piece I was going to rework first and then either like try it on or like drape the fabric around me and be like I think I want to make this kind of shape with it And then as it evolved, I kind of got a few like key blocks that I then Mm -hmm. later down the line actually made like a rough pattern for because just to kind of save time a bit. So for some of the pieces for my new bits, I did actually design them first. And then, I mean, the thing is, I'm like finding materials has become like my new Instagram it's like I am always scrolling on all of the because obviously we've been in lockdown right this whole time basically so um yeah I'm just so I kind of designed them but then I I just buy things like when I see something I just I I just know it's going to be a good thing or not so I just buy it and then yeah and then I kind of assigned different materials or whatever to the shapes your process is very like 3d more is more than 2d isn't it where like when you were saying that you drape it around you and almost let the fabric decide how it's gonna go rather than you know cut in so much and it then I guess that is reducing the amount of waste yeah no definitely like when I again because zero waste is like one of my main kind of um aims when I first started I was like really strict about it and I like square pattern cut everything so like all the pieces fitted together on the piece of fabric perfectly and I lit there was literally zero waste like ev- any excess I'd even make into like a scrunchie or a bag or and and it was and it was really good and I felt really good about it but it obviously is a bit restrictive like you can only mm. square pattern cut so certain shapes and so I kind of like made the compromise with myself that 
if I want to do shapes which aren't square, then that's okay. There's still zero waste. So if I get like little tiny scrappy bits, I've collected all of those and I'm going to use them for padding in some jackets. Mm. And then any like, like bigger scraps like that, I put in a separate bag and those I'm going to patchwork together and make something out, else out of. So I'm, it's still zero waste, but I think originally I was very strict and had this kind of like vision of, you know, but I think you have to be a bit real. And also if it comes at a cost of the clothing, then that's kind of de- defeats yeah. the whole point, right? Because we're trying to show everyone that there's a better alternative to buying mm. new and all of that. And so I feel like the product has to be as if not even better than what's already on mm. offer from the high street. So Yeah. And there's that need for it to be desirable but also innovative and new because it's not like everything has to be the same like a stamp. But there's that you want to push your ideas too but also you want people to think oh my goodness I want that yeah exactly um, and and I think one of my things as well because obviously everything I'm using is secondhand or vintage but I really want the shapes to feel really relevant and really mm. like modern in a way still obviously depending what it is and if I'm reworking a vintage dress it will always feel vintagey but yeah ex- exactly that I just want it to feel I don't want it, I think sometimes people think of upcycling and they think of like, I don't know, a bit like dodgy stuff. But I'm like, no, I want I want you to look at it and never even think that that would have been upcycled from a duvet or whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah. And there's definitely that kind of stigma that needs to be broken that, you know, it's not grandma-like or whatever. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you can have that aesthetic still, but it can still be beautiful. And like you said, modern. You said like the... Um, that you've enjoyed um, spotting fabrics and like collecting them because you know they're going to be useful. What else do you enjoy about upcycling? Um, I think I enjoy the fact that it pushes me as a designer to kind of creatively solve what I'm going to do with the fabric or the 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 clothing, and it it also pushes me in terms of like, you know, I haven't pattern cut and sewn basically since university. So I feel like it's, you know, I feel like I'm learning every time I do something. When I work, because I I also do like custom requests for people and they always have really specific ideas. And and I feel like I learn so much from that because they ask me to do things that I wouldn't have necessarily done otherwise. so yeah, I feel like in terms of a designer, I feel like I'm growing and learning, which is really nice. Um, and then I also just, I just enjoy the idea of, you know, you're taking something that's already old and it already has a story and you're kind of adding to it. And I think mm. for me, that's another thing that I really care about because I think the problem of a lot of, you know, new fast fashion is that there's no story, there's no connection. You buy it and you wear it and you throw it away because you don't have that connection with it. So I think I love that I'm adding to the story of these pieces. And, you know, recently I've started um, working with some kind of hand knitted blankets, but, you know, like when it's all squares and they've all been hand sewn together and I'm like, oh, that was probably made by someone's grandma and now I've like remade it into a dress and it, 
I don't know, like my nan used to knit those and I just know she would be so happy to know that someone had done that with it. Mm. Um, So I think I really enjoy that side of it too. That is definitely something that is missing now, that connection, that story, being able to say like, this piece came from such and such. Like it's, it sounds geeky, but it's like good conversation starters, isn't it? To kind of talk about what you're wearing and really have that... um, attachment and valuing that piece rather than it just being you know a piece of clothing well yeah and I I think you know the pieces that I still have in my wardrobe are those pieces that I have Mm. some kind of real connection with like whether it's the first vintage dress I ever bought or I wore that dress to like you know my best friend's wedding or what like Mm. those are the things that I mean I am also really sentimental so I actually (laughs) very rarely get rid of anything anyway but um yeah, I don't know. Like when I look in my wardrobe, it just makes me feel happy because every single thing mm-hmm. has a memory with it. And I think yeah. we need to like bring a bit of that back. Like, you know, clothing should be like your friends and you should treat them nicely and, and keep them. Mm-hmm. And if you and if if actually you naturally outgrow something which happens, then you swap it. Or do you know what I mean? There's so mm-hmm. many other things that you can do before you even have to give it to a charity shop. Yeah, that's so true. And um, other than maybe the pattern cutting side, what other challenges do you face with upcycling? Um, I think, I mean, it obviously takes a lot of time. I suppose it's just figuring out, because I want my things to be accessible or like as accessibly priced as possible, that kind of like time versus the price is something which I come up against quite a lot because... I don't want to make it them really expensive but I also need to at the very minimum cover my time and I think because people are just used to paying so little for clothing it's sometimes really hard to get people to understand like why is it that much because like Mm. I'm not even making any profit on this this is literally just covering my time you know Mm. um so I think that's probably one thing what else problems for me, it's just kind of like figuring out how you kind of can make it a viable business, which I, I guess kind of goes hand in hand with what I just said. But, um, you know, like, how do you scale it? How like that is something which I'm kind of trying to figure out the best way of doing at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I guess we'll go back, come back to um, how upcycling can be a viable business. Um, but how do you do you like just calculate how long it's taking you to make that fabric um sorry that garment rather than like how much because sometimes like if you were making something from scratch you would consider okay how much should it cost me per meter how much of the meter am I using and then kind of add it on that way how do you um kind of work out how much something is going to be well it's all a little um haphazard at the moment because (laughs) obviously I still have my like costs of the fabric but it's like how much I paid for say like one duvet and then depending how big the duvet is it can sometimes make like a coat and a gilet or Mm. if it's like lighter weight and I use it for my dresses then I can sometimes get like two or maybe three or even four actually I don't don't think I've ever got four dresses (laughs) out so then it's like okay so then the cost of the fabric I divide by how many items but then if they're different sizes I'm like okay so I'll so that one's slightly more than 
so like the coat would be more than the gilet and then I try and keep a track of how much time I spend but I'm the kind of person that once I start working I'm just in like my creative bubble and I'm I'm just like go 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 and then before I know it, I've made like two things I'm trying to get better at that and like record when I start and like record my kind of hours with it um but obviously I know roughly how long so then I'll kind of note mm. down the hours and then to be honest like my prices kind of just reflect that it's not mm. a huge I don't make a huge profit on any of them if I'm honest um well I actually just need to sit down and work out my prices properly I suppose because up until now it's kind of just been a bit more of a like fun hobby but mm, I actually yeah. feel like there is real potential and it feels like this whole upcycling thing like I'm seeing new brands popping up every day almost so mm-hmm. yeah I, I need to kind of figure that side out a bit better and yeah I think it's good for it to for you to kind of um keep it more like in, now you know as you're still starting of like it being a passion thing and you're just enjoying it because then I think there's you're, you're setting yourself up better rather than you know I have to make a profit straight away and it's like it takes away the fun and the need you know the enjoyment of just being creative well yeah like the first things I ever made I I honestly didn't I kind of was just I just like sat down at the end and I was like this much because <laughs> <laughs> I yeah it, it was at that stage it was literally just a fun thing to do in lockdown you know so I hadn't really recorded anything but um and yeah, and also like that's part of the whole sustainable discussion, right? Is like fair pricing and and mm. everything like that. So once I figure it out, it's something that I'll definitely share with my kind of community so that everybody yeah. knows like what is going where sort of thing. Yeah, that's true. Um, on this topic of sustainability, like what are your views on sustainability within the fashion industry? Um I mean, it's quite a big one. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, where to begin, really? Like, having worked in, like, more of the kind of fast end of things, um, I think it's something which people definitely want to improve the garments. They want to use better fabrics. They, of course, want to ensure that the factories are, like, safe for everyone um, and everyone's getting paid a fair wage. Um, but the reality is that like for like the priority is kind of reaching your deadlines and ensuring that you have the newest trends and Mm -hmm. and so even though everyone really cares about the sustainable elements it it ultimately if you go into like a sign-off and you're like look at all these great sustainable fabrics I've sourced but you don't have any of the key shapes covered off you don't have like Mm. where's your money coming from from that like you know you're not gonna you're not gonna stay probably like you wouldn't you've not really fulfilled what they want you to do so Mm. I think from my experience it's like a balancing act between those two things and actually it just doesn't really align because it comes back to like the business model of fast fashion just isn't sustainable so and it's Mm. it's our consumption at the end of the day which isn't sustainable because that's what's feeding the business model so it's kind of like you can change the fabric to be organic cotton rather than cotton but 
you're it's still the quantity of these things that you're like mm. pumping out I remember my last Black Friday there and it was actually a bit disgusting how much clothing was like selling every minute um but in general I definitely feel like that is a, a big shift and I think corona has definitely given people that kind of pause and 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 space to reflect um and how they want to kind of go forwards but I do worry that for the high street and faster fashion I don't really know how much it's going to affect how they operate I think mm. ultimately for real change to happen it's it has to come from legislation and it has to come from above um and so I think that's what ultimately needs to happen to make kind of the the real and like impactful change within fashion yeah a hundred percent and I think also like having legislations could will help to kind of um make sure like people are taking action then it's not just an option it's actually like it's a necessary it's a necessity within like your business model to consider these things but also like us as consumers like if we consume they'll keep continuing to um, pump out the clothing because they know there's going to be a response they know that people are going to want to consume but we have agency in that as consumers to then decide okay how then can I you know still purchase garments and still be considerate and I think upcycling is one way of doing that and taking that responsibility of the amount of waste that there is and it's not waste that it's not usable I think there's quite a lot of fabrics and garments that are your business model is a perfect example that they have so much value and they still can be garments that are still very modern and still you know we can still wear them it's not actually waste that it's not useful it's still very useful I read the other day that 95 percent of textiles and clothing that's thrown away wherever that goes is actually is is like more than fine to be used Mm. and worn again so yeah I think for me I just think there's so much already in existence and that's obviously why I'm doing what I'm doing but I don't you know you don't it doesn't even mean that you have to buy something that's been upcycled there's you know so many amazing vintage brands and even if you're just going on eBay and buying something like old but that's new you know like an ASOS dress but from eBay or whatever it is you want I guarantee it already exists it's just Mm. you just need to spend a little bit more time looking for it and and often actually it will be more kind of affordable as well that way so that's something that I really passionate about and want to kind of try and help push as much as Mm. I can yeah and going back to um how can upcycling be a viable business like how can it almost compete to the with the business models the fashion business models that already kind of exist how do you see that going well yeah kind of like I mentioned before it's something that I'm thinking about all the time at the moment um I have some pieces that I am currently renting on her because I feel like that could be one option where obviously when you upcycle generally there's like limited numbers and once you sell them it's gone and then you have to make something new so I think that rental could maybe be one avenue that makes it a bit more kind of viable and scalable um but I also think maybe it just needs maybe you just need to simplify it a bit like um I was speaking to Anna Foster from ELV Denim 
um, through Protect Your Mother the other day. And, you know, she's kind of nailed it. Like, she's stopped on Etta Porter. She's doing amazing. And, and she's kind of obviously just focused on denim. So it's like mm. maybe actually simplifying your fabric source then helps and then you have your key blocks which you put the that that fabric into so and also I to be honest I think it's just going to be a lot of trial and error like Mm. like anything really I feel like for me now already having a few key shapes which I have patterns for has massively sped up the process so I think it's a balance between like your key blocks and then doing new shapes which you know will just come and sell out and then yeah kind of balancing the two I suppose and then if you can get some rental in there as well great (laughs) (laughs) yeah definitely like what you're saying in terms of like having um blocks but also this idea of being specific in what it is you're wanting to upcycle because I remember I did watch um a little bit of your Instagram with um Anna on the denim and and because she is focusing on denim then I think she's also kind of in a way taking off a big chunk of what is what we have is waste and what um because I feel like denim is a big problem in within the fashion industry but by doing that it's it's solving a lot of um issues but all in one kind of thing yeah and I think it just like then you're kind of like just focused on that aren't you whereas I suppose because I'm just like a magpie and I'm like ooh, duvet ooh, knitted blanket um but I suppose like she has her sources now she goes she gets the denim she has her block she puts the denim into that um and I think you know she'll obviously evolve and expand over time as well but I think looking at someone like her is really inspiring and to see like you, you it can be a real viable business and it can mm. compete against everyone else and, and like you say you know because jeans are like one of the worst if not the worst in terms of their impact like 13 mm. years worth of drinking water goes into one pair of new jeans I mean it's a bit mind-blowing yeah and also I think your model as well is great being a magpie it's great because it's like you're you're also drawing lots of um, different fabrics and different people to, to, you know, if someone's interested in floral prints or if they're interested in just like um, bold, vivid colours, then it's like that you're you're hitting lots of different um, preferences as well in what you're doing, but you're still kind of having like the buffet, the jacket or it's a gilet kind of thing, but in different fabric variations, which is which is great in itself. Um, what tips do you have for um, us and how we can be like more sustainable? It just all begins with what's already in your wardrobe, really. Mm. I would say it would be good to spend some, especially after lockdown, right? Because, I mean, I I assume that everyone else hasn't really worn a vast majority of their wardrobe. So I think now that it's spring, it's a really great chance to kind of go through, dig out everything that's lurking way in the back, like, you know, figure out, okay, what things do I still definitely love? what things like you know are there some things that I would love if I maybe just Mm -hmm. took off a sleeve or made it into a mini dress or and like that you get that new clothes feeling without without one the price and two having to actually buy something new um and then it and then also just to really look after your clothes you know like they they live life with us and they show us some real good times so we need to look after them and you know simple things like wash them on a low temperature hang them out to dry like 
please just don't use the tumble dry it's just the worst mm. and like natural um uh, detergent in the washing machine and then you know now that we're getting into summer we can hang out in the sun and then you get the antibacterial properties of the sunshine too so that's yeah. another other really good thing and then my my other thing I think where we are about to come out of lockdown I am slightly scared that everyone's just going to go a bit mental and buy loads of new stuff but it's like guys we've not worn anything in our wardrobe for so long so I'm like I get it and you know I I have that feeling in me because I'm like oh freedom like I need something new to like celebrate my freedom but I'm like let's just like if we see something we love maybe just don't buy it straight away just go just see it walk away if you still think you love it in a week or ideally two weeks leave it as long as possible if you're really convinced that one you're going to wear it at least 30 times, ideally 50 times. Ideally, you're just going to keep it forever. If you look at the fabric, look at the person that you're buying it from, is that something that, you, that you're happy about supporting? Because buying from whoever you're buying from, you are supporting them. So if it's someone that has like dodgy connotations with factories, I mean, it's easy for, I think, for us to just be like, oh, well, like, forget about it push it to the back of our minds we don't see those people but you know like a woman got murdered in a fabric in a factory recently like what like how is that still happening like after being sexually harassed for weeks it's like this isn't okay you know if this was anyone we knew we'd all be outraged but because it's happening like the other side of the world you just you just buy your dress for 20 pounds and you're like whoa you know so I think Mm. Just think about where it's coming from. And I appreciate that, you know, a lot of sustainable new stuff isn't super cheap. And that's why I'm like, secondhand is such a great option. If you really want to buy something new, you know, eBay, charity shops, vintage shops. And then also, if you want to buy into a trend, rent. Such a great, I feel like, I'm really hoping that this is like the summer that renting kind of comes into its own. And for any special occasions, especially because... Those really special dresses, you know, you only wear every so often. So I also think that rentals are really fab for that. Great. Thank you so much. That's all right. Sorry, um, I feel like that was a bit of a rant. <laughs> yeah, but I think you've given like a range of options that it's like you don't have to try and tackle them all. But if you feel like, you know, that you can do one, like try it, give it a try. If it's just sorting out your wardrobe and something. It's not like a whole, you know, transition and change straight away. You know, if you find one you sort out your wardrobe and there's one dress that you think oh, I'd love that to be a mini and you do that and then you feel really you know that's huge that you've just saved yeah. so much mm, yeah exactly and where else can um people find you so just on my instagram at the moment so it's either freya simon um simon with a double n or protect your mother which has underscore protect underscore your underscore mother great well thank you for chatting with me it's been great yeah thanks so much i've really enjoyed it this episode was brought to you by you guessed it caramel rock before wrapping up this episode i thought i would interject and talk a little bit about the charity For each episode of this season, I will discuss one of the five arms of Caramel Rock. The first arm of Caramel Rock is fashion and creative arts. Here at Caramel Rock, we believe that fashion and creative arts have the power to transform the lives of people. 
As a creative academy, we use the arts as a tool to instill confidence and skills to those that are passionate about pursuing a career in the sector. Not only is fashion a profitable market, but also the creative industry builds life skills by encouraging individuals to think creatively and solve problems efficiently. Our goal is to connect vulnerable and disconnected young people to the range of opportunities within the creative industries and also equip them creatively through access to resources and training. We have come to the end of our episode. Thank you for listening. We would love to know what you thought about this episode. Send us an email with your feedback at admin at caramelrock.com. If you liked the episode, please share it. Be sure to never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast on your favourite podcast listening app. Caramel Rock is a fashion and creative arts educational charity focusing on developing the next generation of designers and creatives by providing training and job opportunities to young people. To register onto one of our courses or find out more about us, visit caramelrock.com or DM us on Instagram at caramelrockofficial. I've been your host, Renata Hoger. See you on the next episode.